Yeah. We good, Shaz, yeah? We live. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Allahumma salli wa sallim wa baraka nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'altahu sahla. Wa anta tajal al-hazna idha shi'a sahla. Allahumma a'inna ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husna ibadatik ya Rabbil Kareem. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Good to see everybody. Uh, good to be back. Barakallahu fikum. Alhamdulillah. I want to apologize in advance for the delay, number one. Number two, that I completely forgot when I was uh, leaving the house. I was in such a rush. I bought a whole load of uh, Aksa's finest sweets and uh, I completely uh, uh, forgot them um, on the desk table. So inshallah next week, because there's nothing that goes off with those sweets, as a person who carries them around for most of the year, I can guarantee that, okay? Um, later on, inshallah, Sheikh Walid will be joining us. Um, to do the back end of the class. Um, you know that he's in town uh, this uh, weekend teaching a class which I already said on the Telegram group or the LP Telegram group that absolutely every family must at least send one representative, meaning either the father or the mother should attend. Uh, the class is called Entrusted. It's on all of the issues concerning uh, children from a fiqh point of view and also an advice point of view. Sheikh Walid, of course, uh, is more than qualified as an imam, qualified as a father, qualified as a grandfather, qualified as someone who has experience of different cultures uh, uh, through marriage as well, etc., etc. Um, let alone the fact that he's a scholar of the highest caliber. So um, I think it's important that um, uh, in Manchester we represent and uh, we have Bilal here there's I think discounts available as well for those that register and uh, Bilal will explain that a little bit later as well but being our local class being in Manchester in Oldham this weekend make sure that everybody that um, or every family sends a representative I think it's also important for those folks that are not in this small restricted kind of circle that you let others know uh, your other relatives and friends that have children that they should also be sending at least one if not both then at least one to this class it's an essential class because it's an essential subject uh, the truth is is that people think that this is the kind of stuff you just ask the question about like hey my child is memorizing this or my kid is going through that or uh, can I pull out my should I pull out my child from the harvest uh, festival that is happening this week or next week or whatever and these are not single dimensional questions they are complex they involve a number uh, uh, they involve a number of issues connected to aqidah to connected to fiqh connected to identity and uh, the people who are best placed to answer them are those that have a complex uh, uh, understanding or a detailed understanding of the different factors so these are not you know just quickly just answer a question and that's it so uh, make sure that that happens this weekend. All right. Uh, as for where we uh, are in our text, then we are in Ewa. This uh, last paragraph at the bottom in the Arabic, uh, the Imam uh, says, "Alayhi rahmatullah wa yusannu li imamin at-takhfifu mal-itmam wa tatwilu rakaat al-ula akthar min al-thaniya." That's going to be enough for today, almost definitely, because I'm going to allow Sheikh also to speak as well. It is sunnah for an imam 
to lighten the prayer whilst keeping it complete and to make the first rak'ah longer than the second. All right, that's what we're going to cover today. All right. Um, is that on the screen, by the way, the exam? Right, okay, that's good. If you just leave it there for me. That's, uh, that, so that, that's, the, that's, the, that's the, the text that we're going to cover today. It is also important, actually very important, but just because I've been traveling um, and not been able to get around to this, that we do a little review of the exam. And, uh, you know, put people in their place and put, yeah, any, you know, give the, uh, the, the due rights, okay? So just put on the, uh, not, not, not this, just uh, let me see the online uh, situation, the uh, thingy, the screen, normal, yes, yes, put it up so that I can see it. No, no, down, down, down. No, no, up, up as in I want to see the video. Right, okay. That's fine, that's fine. Just want to make sure that it's still carrying on with the class. Okay, bring down the, to the comment. That's it, that's cool. Uh, no, Banu Qadr, it's, it's not online. Entrusted is not online. It's an on-site class, which is something that we're going to be going back to now pretty much across the board. Yeah. So, um, let's say we had probably about 10% of our student body that took the exam, which is good. Is the mic working, did you say? It's, yeah, it's not, it's not great. Yeah, it is working, but uh, uh, it's, not, it's, not, it's not great. Um, so, in terms of the results, the average grade was 63%, which I think in uh, like millennial Gen Z terms is like an A++++. <laughs> or 11 out of 10, or whatever stupid number system they've got now, yeah? 63% back in my day was like a D and a wallop yeah, up the backside and you get kicked out of the house. 63%. Today, you're getting A++++ slash 9 slash 10 slash 11. Yeah, and a free meal and yeah, and happy days. So I don't know. Shaz, what did you get your, in your degree? Was 63%. Anyway, um, that's, to be honest, in modern terms, I think that's a, really, that's a really good result. I think it's higher than uh, previous ones. Um, in terms of um, the majority of the grades were in 70s. So if you want to say like which was the largest kind of single uh, uh, from a grade distribution. So we got quite a few 70s, 72, 73s. The highest mark was 92%, mashallah. All right. And there'd be no surprise to see that the winner of 92% is the same person who won it last year. And then the same who won it the year before that. And the same who won it before that. And that's our sister Ruhi. She really is a credit to this, uh, to this subject, to fiqh. She's, you know, gone and taken her own game to the next level, which is something which delights me. She teaches for yaqeen with Umar Suleiman as well now. Um, and we'd like to say that, you know, that uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increase her in, in much, much more as well. Um, also another one of my uh, most favorite people, from the Adnan family, Sharmin Adnan from Calgary. She also got 92% this year. So it's actually a shared grade, shared number one. But um, uh, obviously credit firstly to Ruhi for maintaining that highest level. Sharmin's always been there, thereabouts. But I think this might be the first time that Sharmin has got actually equal first grade. Um, then we have second place, which is 90%, uh, Shahnaz Abu Bakr, who has also always been there, thereabouts. And it also goes to show that 
um, as someone else, someone uh, very well said actually, uh, I think it was Fiza who said online, that a lot of the highest marks are from people who are not actually attending online, which shows the level of discipline to maintain one's yani, study. And it also goes to prove that one doesn't need to have a, uh, always have access or direct kind of uh, live experience. Because a lot of people use that as an excuse. They say, you know what it is, I can't make that session, so I'm not going to do it. Now imagine if someone like Sharmin, uh, where who's eight hours behind, by the way, right? So bang in the middle of the working day. And then Ruhi, who's I think about six, seven hours behind Houston or uh, Texas, certainly. Um, America, at least. Um, uh, how many hours behind are you, Ruhi? Uh, 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 the point is, is that much more difficult to be there in a live session shows that what matters is discipline. What matters in all study is discipline. And I just do want to take a second to speak about this, right? Because when you look at, um, this is very important for you folks who are all English speakers, right? And we're talking about the issue of students and teachers. All of your teachers are not um, the classical kind of scholars that, that would be in the Muslim world. So all of your scholars that you think of that are your teachers, whether it's the imams of your masajid or myself sitting here, or whether it's the people that you see as your favorite kind of speakers, your Umar Sulaimans, your Yasir Qadis, your X's and your Y's. This is the problem. You guys are a fitna, right? Now, the good thing is that I'm a rock. Yeah, the good thing is that I'm a rock, right? And I will not be swayed by these little games. <coughs> I won't be swayed by these games. Although, the cherries, <laughs> yeah, they obviously, I just want to say, Ruhi, that I want to celebrate on your behalf. <laughs> okay? And Shazi, you type pack, why have you not given her a prize? In, te in 10 years, she's been becoming first and you didn't do anything. 10 years! My girl's been there, yeah, and hours upon hours, and she puts and she gets 98, 97, 92. And you're not, you're the emir, by the way. You've got to make the, 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 the big call, yeah? And you didn't think, rolling in, yani, laid, laid back in your Maybach, rolling with the dollars, and you didn't even think for one minute, let me just give her a nice little gift. I made an announcement. You made an announcement. She's sick to death of announcement every year. Okay. Well, anyway. sort all out. All right. Rohi, I'm sure that Shazaz Vesti now has been done and he's going to send you something really nice. PG hoodie. Uh, PG, he, P, can I just say something? PG hoodies. Yeah? He makes them and then he keeps them himself. He makes, in fact, in fact, what's he wearing? Is he wearing it right now? No, he's not. No, he's not wearing it right now. But everybody knows that, he's, that he makes them, then he wears them himself. The whole point of making them is to give them... We made them twice in the history of PG. Twice in history of PG. And she's not lucky enough, Yanni. What, what, which one do you want her to cut, slice her neck? What do you want her to do? Last time we made them was at the retreat. Why are you bringing up, Yanni? Why are you bringing up things like retreat for? Get out of here, man. Unbelievable. So, uh, no, back, back to this point, because it is a serious point. Um, your, normal, your normal root of scholarliness is what? Someone who's born in the Muslim lands, normally to a scholarly family, or the family put them into their uh, normal madrasa 
Uh, if it's a, an Asian background kind of thing, they go very early into madrasa, and so at the very young age, they are learning the Quran, memorizing it, yani when they're children, Arabic language when they're children, etc., etc. Likewise, those in the Arab lands with a greater advantage. So they come into scholarship very early, and then by the age of 18, 20, 25, whatever, they're going into deep knowledge. And so then they become senior scholars, and appropriately so. The difference with all of us lot in the West is that we don't have that background, we don't have the family background, we don't have the infrastructure, we don't normally go into any kind of study until much, much later. As adults, we start. The only thing which differentiates me from Joe Public is discipline of when I would start that study at the age of 20 or 21. The only thing that differentiates you and your favorite speaker is not depth or hivs or X, it's just discipline. That's it's the secret to everything. It's the secret to everything. If you do not have the ability, if you do not have the focus to stay awake after Fajr, your game is over from the, the, from the get-go. If you do not have the ability to be able to sit and listen to something and not be distracted by the latest sports or the latest entertainment news or your phone updates, whatever, it's all over for you. It's all over. The only difference is discipline. Uh, the ability to memorize, to have the environment to study, the resources that are available for study are plentiful. But you've got to be willing to listen to it. You've got to be willing to isolate yourself for it. You've got to be seeing it as important enough that I'm going to make this my absolute number one priority. You are, you are not far removed from the heroes that you see online, whether male or female. It's just literally discipline and very simple discipline. So I hope that, you know, what you're seeing from Ruhi and from uh, Shahnaz and from Sharmin and so many others is just discipline. It's just anyway. The point I wanted to say is that unfortunately, it kills me to say, as Sheikh Walid walks in, that the Americans have destroyed this thing again. They've taken the first place, they took the second place, they took the third place, they took the fourth place, and basically all of the best marks are American in the LP exams, and uh, we have. <coughs> Yes, we have no respite. How many times that we're trying to get this back in the UK folks? The, half the students who took the exam are, uh, half the people actually who took the exam uh, are from England. And only 15% who took the exam are from America and they're all at the top. They're all at the top. And that's a killer to be honest. I don't know how that works. Brits yani, at the back. Although to be honest, yani, you know, as a, as, a, as a nation and as a people, the British, uh, to be honest, they can't be left alone to do anything. I leave the country literally for two weeks, okay? You guys killed off the queen, yeah? You destroyed my, the, the flipping pound. You put some yani, donkey in power who has no idea what she's doing, yeah? She's put herself another donkey in, 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 front, in, in charge of the finances, destroyed the, everything. Like, I could not possibly have come back to a worse situation. Yeah, and it's not raining. It's absolutely like, like a typhoon. This morning, yani, we died. Coming into the masjid now, we died. We thought that the flood, yani, warnings need to go up. I don't understand what you guys are up to. <laughs> I leave you alone for, for a few minutes, and it all goes to pot. Anyway, alhamdulillah. Good to be back. That's, uh, so, inshallah, next year, let's hope that we can get more Brits at the top of the exam results and um, reclaim our place at the top of our colonialist past. All right. So... Uh, in page, uh, sorry, uh, on page 191 then of Al-Mumtia, Sheikh, uh, he wants to take apart this whole concept of وَيُسَنُّ لِلْإِمَامِ التَّخْفِيفِ in, in, the, in the version of uh, Al-Mumtia, he's talking about the Imam, 
whereas in the more authenticated version of Zad al-Mustaqni is li-imamin, meaning for any imam, for any imam, whereas here they're saying the imam. That difference is actually significant, right? It's not as random as you might say. Do you translate the first line as, it is a sunnah for an imam to lighten the prayer. It is a sunnah for the imam to lighten the prayer. You might have thought this is obvious, but some would say that the imam is indicating that this is more relevant to a larger gathering, a bigger mosque, and so on, as opposed to every imam. And there could be something in that. There could be something in that because even the one who leads a group of people in their own homes or in their house or whatever is an imam. And when you're leading people at home or in a closed event, that imam is far more connected to the people. As we're going to discover, as Imam al-Shawkani said, that the illa, when it comes to takhfif, is a tanfir, meaning that uh, that the operative kind of point to realize when we're discussing the issue of lightening the prayer and why you would lighten the prayer is about pushing people away from the masjid, people pushing people away from the congregational prayer, effectively pushing people away from being educated or enjoying the salah or benefiting from salah or whatever. That's their illa, i.e. the longer that you make it, more people are going to be put off. The longer that you're going to make it, people are going to become irritated and start blaming the Muslims, the Mulvis again, it's the Muslims again, they're always causing problems, that kind of attitude. And the understanding is that the shorter you are, the shorter that you recite, then people will come and they know they can get on with their rest of their life or with their work or, or if they're ill, then it's not hurting so much. Etc. 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 So that's what this whole sub, uh, uh, section is predicated around. The idea that if you elongate, it's a problem, and if you shorten, it's not a problem. And we all know the hadith, the famous one of Mu'adh. Mu'adh radiallahu anhu, he would be a specialist in the Quran. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam obviously taught him well. But even amongst the Sahaba, uh, uh, Abdullah bin Mas'ud, Mu'adh bin Jabal, uh, Salim, Mawla bin Hudayfa. Uh, Ubay bin Ka'ab, these are like the four top top and there are fives and there are sixes but when you're talking about the Sahaba not all of them are Hufad, not all of them are specialists in the Quran not all of them are uh, Fuqaha and scholars and some have got you know different uh, skills and different areas and different strengths like Musab ibn Umar for example and his da'wah and his people skills is what led him to Medina to open up the whole kind of scene for the arrival of the Prophet makes sense Mu'adh is an expert in the Quran. He prays with the Prophet ﷺ and then he, the Isha prayer, and then he goes and leads people elsewhere as well so that uh, those who are in the, in the suburbs can benefit too. And so he goes and, you know, uh, someone who is uh, from the Ahl Quran is going to recite and recite longer. And the famous hadith indicates that, you know, a man was, you know, praying behind him and, and you know, uh, Mu'adh is reciting on and on and on. And, you know, this is just too long for him. So he just basically separates from the prayer. And he, he leaves the prayer and, you know, he finishes the prayer by himself, leaves the jama'ah as it is, that's being led by Mu'ad, comes to the Prophet and puts in an official complaint and says, you know, what's going on? And uh, the Prophet became very, very angry. <laughs> and he said to uh, uh, Mu'ad that, why are you being yani, this kind of fitna for the people? Why, why, why are you putting them to trial like that? Why are you testing them like that? Keep it easy. and You know, you should... Uh, know that when you pray, there is a weak one behind you, there is an old one behind you, there is the Hajjah behind you, someone who has got something to do. And so what we learn then that is that the more general and public the congregation, you've got to be aware of the people behind you, that there are 
things to do. And also, not just the fact that there are people behind you that have got things to do, right? Um, but actually, uh, a, a, a more wider point is that the, uh, uh, especially if you're an imam, and we're not even talking about the Prophet and we'll come to that in, in a second, but if you're an imam, right, you're not trying to prove something right now that, you know, let's pray the longest or whatever, yeah? And if you're just an imam who wants to show that you're something special or etc., this is not an objective in our religion. You know, you know, public displays of devotion is not something which is associated in our sharia. Public displays of devotion, unless it has a very specific controlled aim, which is why it is a sunnah to do the exact opposite of this when you're praying by yourself. Hey, when you're praying by yourself, knock yourself out. Pray for hours, bro. Right? If you're praying with someone that wakes up and joins you, this is a private gathering. They want to be with you in that night prayer, whether it's your wife, whether it's your nephew, whether it's your cousin, whether it's Abdullah ibn Abbas who walks in and he wants to join in. So khalas, then come round. No, don't stand here. Stand here. Stand properly. I'm going to show you how to stand when you're joining me in a prayer. And then he did that. The Prophet did that to Ibn Abbas. And they prayed for hours. And that's a quiet, private prayer where there is no weak, there is no old. And even if there was a weak or there was an old, they chose to be there. Right? They wanted to pray that long prayer. But when you're in the public arena, then it needs to be the public interests that are to be kept at heart. And I think in today's, tonight's session, what we're going to do is just investigate what that means. What does it mean to lighten? Because that's relative as well, right? Lighten according to who? If you're talking one, you're in your pack, Bengali messages and whatever, whatnot. If you, can it be more lightened, right? The only, the only, the, the only chapter that's ever on display is just Amma and you know the last few surahs, day and night. That's that's all you hear, right? I mean, it's all relative, right? Um, do uh, uh, is this an absolute rule? Is it always going to be something which is going to be uh, lightened? What, for example, where we're inviting a sheikh, you know, like Abdul Rashid Ali Sufi, for example, he's in town. Imagine he comes and he recites Qul Hullah Ahad. There'll be flipping, there'll be, there'll be like everyone would, would stone everybody and, you know, Abid would get killed and Sheikh Abdul Ghaffar would get killed. You call my guy and to read Ikhlas, yani on the whatever. So there is obviously exceptions and there's obviously some fiqh that needs to be considered. Anyway. Uh, from Sheikh Uthameen's point of view, he's teaching, this, he's teaching this point. So straight away he says that the Imam has said, Yusannu. Yusannu meaning that it is a sunnah. Meaning that the one who does this act will be rewarded for it. And the one who does not do this act will not be punished. And this of course is part of the five general rules. The, uh, what you known as the Ahkam al-Khamsa. Something is either wajib. Or something is either which is obligatory or recommended or permissible or disliked or haram, and so this falls obviously as the the second uh, category. So Sheikh says therefore that it, the author is saying that it is a sunnah. It's actually the act of the Prophet ﷺ to lighten the prayer, and to lighten the prayer falls into two categories. There is a takhfif al-lazim, and there is takhfif arud, meaning that uh, on a case by case basis, yani situational lightening of the prayer. As for the takhfif uh, al-lazim, this is basically sticking to what the sunnah teaches us. That's like the everyday what our limit to our prayer should be. So if it is, uh, um, 
uh, if we know that the Prophet ﷺ only recites this, this much in a certain prayer, then sticking to that, that is lightening the prayer according to how the prayer is meant to be prayed. That is the actual lightening of the prayer. It's the actual sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. And anyone who does more than that is al-mutawwil. Yani he's actually doing more than what is required. So this is the general uh, necessary uh, sh uh, short uh, lightening, the takhfif of the prayer. The second type is the takhfif arid. Yani when a situation occurs. And everybody will remember the hadith of in Bukhari where the Prophet ﷺ was praying and that... Uh, uh, he shortened the prayer and he said, I, I didn't want to put, I heard the baby crying and I didn't want to put her mother into fitna. I didn't want her to, in one narration, fitna. In another narration, I didn't want to cause her some kind of, you know, more distress than she's already going through. Let's just quickly get this over and done with. So it was a situational situa uh, 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 lightning. It's not the norm to pray the Maghrib prayer so short. It's not the norm to pray that prayer so short, but the situation needed it and so therefore and that's what the arad is it's something presents itself the prophet sallallahu also uh, uh anas sorry anas radiallahu an as narrated by imam al-bukhari hadith number 708 he said ma imam qat salatin wala min that i did not pray behind any prayer uh, behind any imam a prayer that was more light and yet more complete than that of the Prophet So Anas himself is saying that not only was the Prophet very easygoing in the prayer, and he would know. Why would he know? Because he was very young. That's one of the reasons why he was chosen as a servant of the Prophet so that he could actually serve him in the times of need inside the house. So he was with him, with his wives. He was with him in the nighttime. He was with him, yani aware of his actual personal prayer. We also, I speak about this a lot, he was also the one who followed, obviously the, in service of the Prophet ﷺ, when the Prophet ﷺ would pray outside. When I say pray outside, I mean like, you know, he would go into different houses and pray. He would be praying uh, on journeys. He would see him praying duha. He would be seeing him pray to hajjud. So all of the very long prayers, he's observing. Unlike many of the other companions. So, you know, some companions were full-time workers. So they never traveled with the Prophet ﷺ. Other companions, well, of course, all of the companions are never going to see the tahajjud of the Prophet ﷺ in his home, right? In his home. And so Anas is seeing all of this. So therefore, his statement is very instructive. When he says that, I never prayed behind Imam. Uh, another thing to remember, that there are very few companions, you can probably count them on one hand, that lived after Anas as well. Meaning that he was one of the final companions to pass away. Right? Because the Prophet ﷺ passes away while he's still a child. And yet Anas lives on to like almost 100 years or whatever. Right? <laughs> so how many years does he see all of the companions come and the tabi'een come and so on? So he sees all of these generations and he prays behind so many people. And he's, he, so for him to make this statement is very heavy. So we learned that number one, the Prophet's prayer is light. But number two, never did that come at the expense of it being complete. Now, what we need to understand is what does it mean al-itmam? What does it mean to be uh, complete? Let's, um, we'll come to that in a second. Because the Prophet ﷺ also said that if one of you are to lead the, the people in the prayer, fal yukhaffif, fal yukhaffif. In this hadith, 
the uh, the, the reference for this hadith I will tell you is this hadith is narrated uh, number seven hundred and three, following the previous one by Imam al-Bukhari himself. Okay, uh, when one of you leads the people, fal yukhafif. All right. So this is also narrated Bukhari seven hundred and three. And again, I remind you, as Sheikh Uthameen says, when we say takhfif, we mean in line with the Sunnah, not yani something which you think. Takhfif is not relative to what people think. It is what the Sunnah has narrated, not what you may uh, uh, believe yourself. Okay, um, so that's lightning. But whilst being complete at the same time, Sheikh Uthameen says that this itmam is, ref- is in reference to the imam. And that means to be in line with the sunnah, the prayer to be in line with the sunnah, i.e. that you do the sunan of the prayer. Because you can perform the prayer and it be legally completely acceptable by just doing the obligations. For example, not reciting a surah, right? You never need to recite a surah other than surah al-Fatiha, right? You can always just say, Allahu Akbar. Now, that you would find that strange in a prayer. However, you do need to know that that's not only acceptable, but Aisha radiallahu anha put forward that that was possibly happening in which prayer? Anyone remember? Fajr. Well done. Fajr, the sunnah of Fajr. Aisha said, you know, I'm not even sure whether he uh, uh, said a surah in, the, in these two. We don't have that as a narration for any obligatory prayer, but I just want you to know that that is an example that it is quite possible for a, 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 a prayer to not have a surah recited. But with this statement here from the author of Azad al-Mustaqni'ah, he's saying that, and of course the hadith of Anas, that the Prophet ﷺ never had to resort in cutting things short, right? So for example, reducing from the tasbihat, for example. Ibn al-Qayyim said that the adna uh, al-kamal, uh, right? Meaning that what is required and what is worthy and respectful of uh, in the prayer is three tasbihat. We all know that the legal is one. The legal is fulfilled by just saying Subhana Rabbi Al-Azim or Subhana Rabbi Al-A'la. He, Ibn Qayyim said this in his Zad Al-Ma'ad. Of course, this book Zad Al-Ma'ad is like a really his life work on the seerah, studying all of the narrations of um, uh, all of the ahadith of Shama'il, all the ahadith that describe the Prophet's actions and his seerah, but not writing a seerah in Zad al-Ma'ad, but rather uh, trying to really deep kind of understand the mindset of the Prophet in his individual actions. And so in his opinion, in his opinion, he sees that the Prophet's normal basic level is three tasbihat, Subhana Rabbil Azim, Subhana Rabbil Azim, Subhana Rabbil Azim, in sujood, in ruku'ah, Minimum, of course, is one. He doesn't mention that because that's an obvious point. And he says that the most is ten. He considers the most being ten. Now, of course, there's no, there's no uh, limit on that. That also doesn't make sense, quote-unquote, because it's not uh, an odd number. And many scholars said that that should be restricted to odd numbers. But I think he's t- saying it more from a length point of view, for people to understand just general length. And so we're not seeing the prayer being cheated on, right? So when we say talking takhfif, we are normally talking about the surah not being Baqarah, not being Ali Imran, not being, you know, massive kickoff surahs, rather 
it is quite light. So again, the, the idea of what light means is not what's light in the eyes of the people, but what the Prophet Sallallahu um, uh, did. That's good that uh, Salanj and Bilal have put those two hadith up as well. Let's just finish off what Sheikh says in uh, page 192. He says, uh, he, and he just reiterates the same point I, I just said, uh, and, it, it, and when we say al-itmam, we don't mean that a person reduces themselves to the minimum wajib requirements. Rather, whenever there is a sunnah possible, then they maintain that sunnah. Whether it's uh, saying some, uh, uh, a dua in the sajda, whether it's uh, saying certain dua before Surah Al-Fatiha, which is from the sunnah, the dua which are said after the durood sharif, the salawat Ibrahimiya, for example, which are a sunnah as well, maintaining those in the prayer. So no cutting of uh, Corners. Sheikh actually, he actually uh, disagrees with the author of Zad al-Mustaqni'ah. He says it's not actually a sunnah to do itmam. Actually, he considers it to be obligatory. Now, this is a big statement, all right? What Sheikh Uthameen is kind of saying, he's, he's saying that uh, actually it is obligatory. This is a big call. He's saying that it's obligatory for the imam to do the non-obligatory actions. In other words, right? He's saying that yeah, it's okay for the imam to not recite the, 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 the surah. And it's okay for the imam, legally speaking, to recite one, subhana rabbil azim. But when he's in public as the imam, he has to fulfill the, the sunnah. And as I said, that is, I mean, legally that statement can be found wanting. But actually what Sheikh Uthameen is arguing is that uh, we have to differentiate between a person operating in his personal capacity and someone who has been placed to uphold the, the, the public perception of the deen. Yeah, I don't know what the right kind of phrase would be, but he has a responsibility is what I'm saying. He has a responsibility and he gives some examples. He gives a number of examples um, uh, that, uh, uh, of this. He says that uh, when a person... Um, uh, uh, he goes that if I have a book and I sell it for 10, uh, its, its value is 10 riyal and I sell it for 8, I'm allowed to do that because it's my decision and if I lose out on 2, then it's my loss and that's okay. I'm happy with 8, uh, it's worth 10, I could push for 10, but I'll take 8 and I'm happy with that. But if someone gives me a book and sells and says to me, sell this book for me, and I know I can get 10 for it, and I sell it for 8, then I've let that person down. I've let that person down. I didn't fulfill the duty of the wakil, which is what he put in me. And, I, and, and, and therefore, really, and some, some scholars will then say that this person now owes this other person to real. He should have sold it for the market price and what was quite easily available. He says, if you see this example, then the same example is the imam who's in public, who when he's praying by himself, he can, you know, uh, cut down to the minimal things. But when he's leading the, the Muslims and has to establish the prayer and people are traveling to uh, gain the benefits of the congregational prayer, of which, by the way, are not just the reward of 27 times, the protection of angels because the angels are there, the, the reward that for all the footsteps or the miles that you make, which are the obvious benefits. Actually, the other benefits is ta'aleem. How many times do you learn things from the prophets, from the, from the imam? Whether it's recitation, whether it's surahs that you hear oft repeated, 
I, when I was younger, when I started uh, studying, first of all, uh, Surah Sajda was not a Sajda that I started learning. We were doing Hibs, we started from Baqarah. It would have taken me ages to get Sajda. I learned Sajda purely from Salah because it was just going on and on and I would, you know, hear it again and again. Then I got a general feel for it like a child does. You know how a child memorizes the Quran? I always tell folks that don't worry about when it comes to your children, the first time that they're getting used to the surahs, you're not worried about you know, whether they can say each word properly or tajweed or even makharij. They learn a sound. They learn a, a tune. Yeah, that's how kids are when they're two years old, three years old, and they become uh, 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 very stable with that sound. They get a feel for it, and then they start filling the dots. And this is how language works. Right? When you learn words, you never learn the exact, you learn the general first, and then when you hear it repeated again and again, it's like you're going back over the same drawing and putting in more detail. Then you go back over the same drawing and you put in more detail. That's how the mind works. Actually, it's very, very fascinating when you see how we learn new words uh, uh, and uh, languages, that we immediately get a snapshot and then we fill it in. Now, that snapshot that you get, if you don't fill it in with the right thing very, uh, uh, on a regular basis, it can be turned into anything else, right? Which is why you hear these words when they're played on the audio and then you say to them, what do you hear? And they say, we hear this. And what do you hear? I bet you're hearing this word. And you suggest the word to them and they say, that's exactly the word that I'm hearing. Because the only thing which is left are a small few kind of points that you're putting into their mind. That's what they're hearing. So the general sound beforehand is actually very important. So... There are people that will come to Salah from the Imam and they will learn surahs. The first few times they just get the uh, 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 sound and then they'll come back again and again and again and then all the dots are then start to put together and they pick up a proper surah. So it is important for the Imam to protect the institution of the Imamate. That's what I want to summarize it as, the Imamah. It's, it's important for it to be uh, protected. All right. Um, so... Uh, Sheikh then says that if I'm therefore going to pray by myself and I, and I, and I stick to just the wajib or, or the arkan and wajibat فَإِنَّ لِي ذَلِكَ I have the right to do so uh, but if I uh, imaman, فَلَيْسَ لِي ذَلِكَ If I'm the imam I can't afford to get away with that and like I said this might sound a bit strict but I think his point is well made and I think that we should uh, 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 to keep that in mind now however if you are in a private gathering, as I said uh, earlier on, as a shokan, he said that the illa is what? It is putting people off. So if the people are like, no, no, we want you to recite. We want to hear, you know, some, some long surah. We want to hear. That's a different story. Now, the difficult part is, at what point do you ignore an opposing voice? Right? Now, this is easy if you're having a private gathering of the lads or your mates or scholars in some kind of conference or at home or whatever, it's a completely closed environment. Of course, where you, can, you can assess everybody's uh, desire, and that's the end of the story. But what about if you're in a masjid? Okay? Now, in a masjid, you just can't assume that. Just because you like you know, to hear the recitation, the masjid is a normative kind of reality, five times a day for a large part of the community, and you can't speak on their behalf. I think we can probably accept that. That's an easy, these are two easy extremes. This lot can pray as long as they like, I think you accept it. And this, in the masjid, I think it's got to be kept short. I think you accept it. Let me throw in a, uh, a curveball. 
poster goes up one week beforehand, Sheikh Abdul Rashid Ali Sufi is coming down. Okay? Let's say one week. Just so that it's enough to kind of, you know, create some difference of opinion. Is a week enough to then take over Friday night Isha and make it yani, half an hour long? What do you think? And is there an issue? Like, are we allowed to do that? Are we allowed to make that Friday night Isha obligatory prayer a half an hour one? And someone will say, the uncles will be like, we never asked for this. Yeah, and we just want our, you know, normal Joe blogs and to lead this, uh, and get us out of here, right? And we'll, we'll say back to them, yeah, but we told you a week ago. And they're like, well, we don't care. We, we had no, you know, you didn't ask us. You put a poster up. But we'll say, but it's Sheikh Abdul Rashid Ali Sufi. And they'll be like, and what about Imam Sab? Right? I mean, actually, their point is valid. Their point is valid, and I just wonder, I just wonder, and I think we'll put this to Sheikh Walid because, mashallah, he likes to recite, and he's long recitation, we complain about him leading all the time, and I wonder whether he ever gets this complaint in his masjid. I wonder what the dividing line would be. At, who, at what point is, is which party's argument stronger? Personally, even though, obviously, someone I like, someone I want to hear, and the like, I think that the, the, the point of the minority elders is more stronger. They've got the hadith on their side, they've got the sunnah on their side, and we have the alternative yani, that they can tell us, go and come tonight and knock yourself out. Come out one o'clock, brother, and while we're sleeping in our beds, you can stand here for four hours with your Sheikh Abdul Rashid Ali Sufi, right? And pray as long as you like, and they would be right. But the point that we're doing it is, for public kind of promotion, we want to try and attract people to the masjid, and they'll turn around and say, well, you know, you could probably do that, you know, with a short surah as well. So this is actually something that we should consider. I think that the safe approach in the future is what? To actually ask people. Now, you know, the problem with that is that there's always going to be, once you start asking people, like, chief is not here, Usman, but people like Shazad Salim, Usman, Ashraf, they are... Uh, very famous, I should tell you, uh, for saying, never ask the people, right? Don't give people the option. Don't let the... <laughs> Shazad is not even embarrassed one little bit. He, he's completely owning it. <laughs> Don't... <laughs> Shazad Salim is so anti-democracy. We've asked the people before, and we've asked them, and them, and them, and them, and now we just... That's them. the problem. I'm like, always ask the people, man of the people, always there for the people. Shazad Salim, you and your thunder upon your people, Yeah. He's like, every time that we ask the people, we always regret it. Every single time, there is uh, a thing. We were just on a trip now, alhamdulillah, we just came back. And um, there was, uh, uh, we, we, made, we made a decision. We made a decision, or I made a decision. And one of the sisters in the group, she writes, this is, this is not fair, I was not asked. <laughs> one guy writes, sister, this is not a democracy. <laughs> Yeah, and this is not a democracy. It made me laugh my brains out. So the problem is, of course, you try to be polite, but if you start to ask people on these kind of things, it's going to go wrong. At some point, at some point, urf has to take over. A scholar has to be brave enough to give a fatwa and say, it's enough to advertise something. It's enough for a Juma announcement to be made. I have to say, 
that even though I believe that the sunnah is on the side of the people who would not want it to be done because they deserve to have a short prayer, I do believe that the overriding benefits of the wider congregation hearing an imam in the obligatory prayer recite and remind them of something positive and all of the good things that come out of that, I think it can be balanced with a poster and an announcement, for example. At Jum'ah, if the imam says, hey, on Friday, there's going to... I think this is enough to tell the person to say, listen, don't come. Then you don't need to come. Then you don't be disappointed. You don't get yourself into a situation or whatever. And I think that a lot of people, they get a bit confused that the, uh, if there is a problem with the imam, the imam has to change. You know, sometimes you need to also take a, 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 a back a back, a back seat, yani. you know, if you've got a problem with the imam, with the recitation, or you don't like yani, what he does on a certain time or a certain action, sometimes you've got to take a step back. Anyway, it's not an easy one. It's not an easy one. Um, uh, okay, so I think we'll do another five minutes before we pass over to uh, uh, Sheikh Walid. How long has the lesson been going? 45 minutes. Okay, that's good. Um, also, the Sheikh says that... Uh, what does he say? He goes, it's very important for us to also not allow the people to... He's actually supporting the argument of not allowing it to be for the people. He's saying that the people are not the dividing, uh, the, 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 the discerning cause here. They're not the, 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 the deciding kind of factor. The Prophet ﷺ recited Surah Al-Jum'ah and Al-Munafiqeen in the Jum'ah uh, prayer. And this is not something to be considered long, even though for many people this would be considered to be long. This is actually the, 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 the sunnah. The Prophet ﷺ recited uh, Surah Sajda Alif Lamim in the Friday morning prayer in the first rak'ah and Surah Insan in the second rak'ah. This is basic sunnah. Basic sunnah. The Prophet ﷺ, even though he, uh, as Anas said, I never prayed behind someone ever that was as light as he was in the prayer, let me also tell you that Abdullah ibn Umar authentically narrated that I prayed behind the Prophet ﷺ. he always used to keep it light and he would lead us with Surah Safat. Now Surah Safat is what? Six? Seven pages? Seven. Seven pages. Right? So he would lead with a Safat. Seven pages. So um, this idea of lightness is not something for the people to decide. Otherwise, you know, it's going to become, you know, it'll, be, it'll, become, it'll become crazy, really. Um, and I think we will pause there. I think that's enough. Any questions on that? Any questions for... And I'll also say something that the Prophet ﷺ was authentically narrated as uh, from the companions that he would lead us in the, the Mufassal or Tawal al-Mufassal. The Mufassal are those surahs that start from Surah Hijrat and Surah Qaf all the way to the end, the back end of the Qur'an. Mufassal, why? Because they've got all of the, you know, Bismillah rahim Bismillah all, you know, they're broken up, broken up, broken up. And the long ones are Al-Hujrat, Qamar, uh, Al-Rahman. And those were the common surahs that the Prophet ﷺ would lead the companions in. And so again, it's a proof that it's not what you may think. And then at the, uh, at the same time, the Prophet ﷺ famously led Salatul uh, Fajr with Surah Zalzala, which is crazy short, considering what the norm is, Right? Um, next week we'll cover the fact that in a Dhuhr and Asr uh, we have hadith from the companions that the Prophet ﷺ, they would say that the Prophet ﷺ would start the Jama'ah, we would go to Baqi'ah, we would deal with what, what we need to deal with, 
make wudu, come back, he would still be in the first rak'ah. Right? So, I don't know how long that is. A walk to Baqiyah from the masjid of the Prophet is like, I mean, you're not talking to the right-hand side, you're talking to the left-hand side, which was there. You're, uh, I don't know, there's houses to get through. It's not easy, like, uh, whatever. At least 10 minutes to go there and make wudu and come back. So, again, light does not mean what you may think is, is light. Uh, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows uh, best. I think what we'll do is that we'll take these questions with Sheikh Walid. Sheikh, Allah subhanahu wa I think we'll take uh, these questions at the end. Um, and maybe even Sheikh Wadi can offer his thoughts on them. I have to end it actually quickly since we talk about whoever leads the prayer has to khafif yani make it short Umar radiallahu anhu said la tubaghidu nasa fillah don't make people hate Allah qalu rahimakallah how would someone make someone hates Allah? قال إذا صلى أطال الصلاة فكرها لقاء الله وإذا وعظ أطال فكرها الناس موعظته. If he lead the prayer, he makes it so long, people hates to pray. And if he gives a talk, he makes it too long, and people don't like to hear the reminder. And in regard to this. Somebody asked him when he graduated with us in college. I graduated from Dawa College. Give me an advice. Then the Sheikh said, he just had a 40 years. He just studied. I said, just give me advice. Always leave the gathering before people leave you. And you always end before people leave. You leave before them. What I, he said, that's better than the 40 years I learned. <laughs> there is so much hikmah in it. Anyway, in Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, in Hadith Abi Mas'ud, and this Hadith really, every time when Sheikh told me that he was going to talk about takhfif, that's what came to my mind. That in Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, to the Prophet so and so, he doesn't like to go to Fajr prayer. He said, why? He said, because the Imam make it so long. And I how honest a Sahaba are. And he's so honest. He would say, and can you imagine if you come to tell somebody for shame, will shame the person if he ever come to you to tell you that. But he's very honest. He said, I, I hate to come because it's too long. Somebody said, billah, Quran. <laughs> you hate the Quran. What kind of Iman that you have? You know, it make you feel so bad. But the reality is, no, it, it, they are a human being. And this religion is came to meet that human nature in us. So he said, Nabi was so angry. And he called upon the person who lead the prayer. 
and he reprimanded him وسلم, for making it long with hadith be Muslim. And you heard the Shaykh was saying, uh, knock yourself out if you pray by yourself. As a matter of fact, Al-Bukhari, rahimahullah, قال باب من صلى لوحده فليطيع إن شاء. There's a chapter in Bukhari based on the hadith of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. If you pray by yourself, he said, if you lead the salah, قال من أما فليوجز. If you pray, make it short. And he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and if you write Abu Hurairah, he said, and if you pray by for yourself, you can make it as long as you want. And then Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam also said to Uthman ibn Abi al-As, Thaqafi, the Amir of Thaqif. He was the Amir of Thaqif. Fi ahd Abi Bakr wa Umar, 15 years, he was the Amir of Thaqif until he left it and went to Al-Basra and died there. He's the one, subhanAllah, the one who kept Thaqif in Islam. He told him, you're the last people to enter Islam, don't be the first to leave. And they stayed upon Islam when the Ridda happened, when people upstate from the Ridda. Anyway, he came to the Prophet he said, Ya Rasulullah, I would like to lead, but I don't want to lead. It's either because he's have a struggle, and when you lead, you need that affirmation. Then Nabi Sallallahu put his hand on his chest, and he put his hand in the back of his uh, chest from the backside, and he, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, prayed for him. But the point in the story, he said to him what? قال ومن أما فليخفف. I'm not mistaken in Sahih Muslim. He said if you lead the prayer, that uh, make it short. In any case, uh, the answer for the questions about what we do with the community. And Nabi Sallallahu answered this question in my opinion. قال النبي اقتدي بأضعافهم. He said Sallallahu you should make it according to the weakest among them. So if we have a community like, you know, some uncles or some older people, they want to, the salah to be short, you make it short. You know, but short, not according to their desires, like what the Sheikh mentioned, and Shaykh Natimir, rahimahullah, I think the Sheikh quoted him as well. Not according to their desire, according to the sunnah. In Nabi Sallallahu his salawat is various. Yani, mithal kira, the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he prayed dhuhr so long. And to show you that some people sometimes misunderstand this, Marwan ibn al-Hakam used to always pray very, very short surahs. So one of the Sahaba, I forgot the name of the Sahabi right now, uh, he said to him, what, why you always read very short surah? Qal al-Nabi sallallahu always in Maghrib pray the shortest surah. Then he said, no, that's not the case. He read sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bi'ish bil-a'raf. He divided in two raka'ah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Al-a'raf in Salat al-Maghrib. So that, that Sahabi was trying to tell Mar'ab al Hakam that yes, the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi will make it short, but not all the time. So we should. But when you know there are some people complaining, when you know, and it depends actually. Like for example, when I grew up, I grew up in Saudi Arabia. So you, there is some, some masajid on the highway. It's called gas stations and stuff like that. Oh my God, I still remember some people leave the salah and mashallah, surah qaf, <laughs> you know, and all the verses. It's like Kratulun, he's crying. Habibu, you're crying because you want to leave. <laughs> you know? In the airport, Musallah. Yeah, in the airport, Musallah. Oh my God. So, 
That's what this hadith is so important. Also, when you guys have in Manchester, that Isha is very, very late. You know, people want to go. And subhanAllah, meet exactly this. The story, the man said, I work, I, I take camels, and I go load them with water very, very early in the morning, bring them back to everybody. I work, I need to go to job. I don't know about you guys here, but these days in Houston where I live, Salat al-Fajr, we pray 6.30. But everybody start hitting the road 6 o'clock. So everybody pray in the masjid and want to go quickly. Or my masjid, for example, people around medical area, doctors. So they come to Amal al So you know what? I don't want to go anymore because somebody is going to be make it very long. So these all take in consideration. But what if it's a residential area in the weekend? It makes sense to make it longer a little bit. And we train those people who complain to, you know what, toughen up a little bit. You know, try to learn how to stay. But don't make it too long. And if we have a special guest and so like that, and he's going to make it very long like that, alhamdulillah, he can pray sunnah. And people will pray with him. Like, let's say, have Qiyam al-Layl with the Sheikh coming and something like that. The, the, the only difference I remember reading about this in Salat al-Taraweeh. Some of the fuqaha put a limit for Salat al-Taraweeh. So, not less than 10 verses. When somebody told him, my jama'ah don't agree with 10. Let them look for someone else to pray behind. <laughs> and he didn't even care. He said that's not acceptable. Less than 10 is not acceptable. Also, one of the things that you remember the story of Umar, one was three of them read. You read 30, you read 25, you read 20. Why? Because they have a very different speed in recitation. MashaAllah, some people take a step. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Sometimes I pray, and I'm waladhalil, and I hear some of the elder behind me saying, <laughs> I was like, am I too fast? <laughs> I'm like, done. And he said, Yahi, it's not like, you know, so, so people are very different than reading. I'm serious. It drives me crazy when I hear somebody behind me say, Malik, you and I already say, Ameen, for example. I have to read it again to wait. So, anyway, and I don't lead long prayer. Actually, I'm known in my community to be leading short prayers. Alhamdulillah. Um, but that's, that's basically what I, I, I have in common in regard to takfif uh, al-salat. And uh, the, the point is to actually, if there is a key point, is that actually you have to take in consideration where you're praying, when you're praying, the time, the people around you, you know, also somebody who is very new to the community. I just prayed recently, Maghrib uh, and uh, Isha was Jama'ah. Uh, in DC because I was attending a wedding. MashaAllah, the brother, young brother, the Salat al-Maghrib, was so beautiful. I'm telling you, everybody was crazy. I, I loved his recitation. But MashaAllah, the first rakah, like one and a half page almost. And we were on the grass, and it's not appropriate. You know, it's a wedding. And Iqamat al-Salat, and he pushed himself to, I didn't know that, he, I thought he's local. It's funny because I found out he is local, but he still prayed Aisha too. 
Anyway, so, <laughs> so I was going to lead, but he, said, he pushed himself to, to pray. So I said, okay, I, I love his prayer. So when he stood up to lead, I said, Khafif al-Salat. He looked at me like this. I said, if you're going to pray, Khafif al-Salat. Make it short. Not like Maghrib. You know, it's just, I'm serious. He was so embarrassed. You know, but I have to tell him. I can't, you know, it's just... Maghrib, it took us like, mashallah, <laughs> long prayer. So th- that's a place, a time, a hikmah. Um, and subhanAllah, yani, I don't know if I can, I, I did not review any uh, explanation for the hadith or anything like that. But this hadith, hadith, Uthman ibn Abil Aas, when he said, Ya Rasulullah, inni la ajidu fi nafsi shay'an idha amantu fi salat. I feel something in my heart when I lead the prayer. Isn't that something also when you make it so long and stuff like that? I'm worried that this is something like, maybe if you make it too long, you open the shaitan, the door for the shaitan also to come in. So he said, make it short. Sometimes when you lead the prayer, when you love your, your voice so much, it's better to make it shorter. Uh, also, it's not also about also for ruku' or sujood, or, you know, if you have older behind you and stuff like that. And, uh, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Uh, there is another thing, if you allowed me, I want to talk about it as well. Is it okay? This is Sual, the uh, statement of the Sahaba, inna nubadir al-waswas. What do you think uh, when they're reciting it, when they're praying short? How are you understanding that? Is it, yani, you think the waswas of just the likelihood of making a mistake? Or the waswas of, as you just said, for example, shaitan coming to them and affecting their intention? What do you, what do you think? The it waswas could be the riyah. Because Sufyan al-Thawri, there is one narration very explicit. A man told him, when I pray, the riyah comes to me. فَقَالَ خَفِّفِ الصَّلَاةِ He make it short. So you cut it off with him. So sometimes, but yani, don't exaggerate because Mas'altul al-waswas for salah or to waswas about riyah and stuff like that and ikhlas. One of the best tricks the shaitan play on salihin. Make them leave the khair. You know what is it? The, the, yani, as some of the scholars said, he said, and yesterday we made hunnasi wa dhammuhum. Complaining or praising is the same to you. Make sure you do it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But sometimes you don't want just you know, Ibn Rajab rahimahullah قال إذا أعجبتك إذا أعجبك حديثك فاسكت وإذا أعجبك سكوتك فتكلم When you like how you speak, be quiet And when you like how quiet you are, talk you know, Just don't let the shaitan control you They just try to relax and be normal as I say that, If I may say that um, there's one thing also I want to say that uh, Alhamdulillah being in, uh, in Manchester is a blessing. And I'm so happy that I came in the right time. I was worried about Sheikh Baisa's schedule to be traveling around. But Alhamdulillah, it is a blessing to be here with you guys in PL. Logical. LP. <laughs> LP. I'm just destroying it. <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, with you guys here, um, and it, uh, it's also something that I'm coming because, inshallah, this weekend, 
Um, I'm very excited also about a new course that I'm teaching with Al-Maghrib. And I, I highly recommend those who, alhamdulillah, Allah bless them with children, or they have, you know, uh, they got married and inshallah, they have children or about to have children, or the student of knowledge who likes fiqh as well, uh, this of course will enrich your knowledge about the fiqh rules related to children. And it's about eight chapters. Uh, and these chapters cover everything from the pregnancy all the way to the uh, issues related to, for example, uh, sports and activities, schooling, a lot of these modern issues that people ask about. And I, I cover another aspect of this class different than what you study with Shah Waisa when he talks about uh, protect this house. Uh, and I think if you put these two together, you will have a very holistic approach. Yes, there's a lot of advice and parenting, but there's no focus on that. The focus actually on the rules. And one of the most important f thing for me, with kids you are constantly having a battle with your kids. I don't know about you, but that's me. You know, kids, you always have a battle. So you need to learn how to choose your battles. Because you can't win everyone and you cannot have everyone. But you have to know which one that I choose. Which one is really haram? Which one is there's an area of you know, leniency and which area that I need to watch out for? And that's what the fiqh allowed you to, to make that call. And that's, I thought, was very important for me to put this course for parents who live in the West. Uh, and also another thing is so many of these rules also I've seen many parents very strict about things uh, and there's big huge khilaf between the scholars in it and so loose and so relaxed about things that so clear in it's haram for example or it's wajib and I don't even know if there's any difference of opinions about it so I think that will help you to, to solve these issues and there is a lot of issues in this course um, are very details in its nature in fiqh. Um, it, it basically developed the skills. You've been guys learning a lot through, alhamdulillah, uh, logical progression. And if you notice, if you learn something, and in this advice to the students who attend Shah Baisa, uh, that advice I was given by Sheikh Nashad Razak Afifi, rahimahullah. He told me when I was maybe an end of high school and going to study in Riyadh and have all these scholars and ulama and mashaya. And I'm like, Ibn Jibreel here, Ibn Baz here, Ibn Fuzani here, like so many. Which one I'm going to study with? What? I asked the Shaykh Razak about his advice and he gave me a golden advice. He said, Ya Bunay son, al-masail la tantahi. Issues, like details issues, there is countless of issues. You're going to hear from Fatah and mashaya or the scholars or the books. What I want you to focus on when you study with the Sheikh is to learn their methodology, their principles. Usul al-ilm. Fa'inna al-ilm masail wa usul wa wasail. So he said, focus on the tools, the means, and the principles. But in the same times, the same times, you need to focus on what? On the masail. Since we are in, in Hanbali class, there is a famous debate happened between a student and Sheikh, who is Qadi Abi Ya'la, Al-Faqih Al-Hanbali, Imam Al-Kabir, great Hanbali scholars. 
with his students Abu al-Wafa' ibn Aqil. Abu al-Wafa' ibn Aqil, he thought that studying fiqh is through principle, maximum, qawaid. And Ibn al-Qadi ibn Ya'la used to tell him, no, al-fiqh, if you want to learn fiqh, you have to learn through al-masail. Yani details, issues, small issues here and there. No doubt that Abi Ya'la is more solid and more authentic in his methods because everybody have this, he study only general يعني, uh, rules in Islam, kida usul, qawaid al-fiqh, all these big things. Actually, most of them not even religious. Yani we used to say, the faqih has a beard, mashallah, and a sunnah. The usuli, shave, clean shave, and like, you know, don't, follow, don't know how to pray according to the sunnah. Absolutely, I know I studied under people in usul fiqh, genius. But that's how they are. And you heard the story of some of the usuliyin, like Abu Ma'ali joining, when they put ink on his feet to see does he pray or not. For 40 years, they found the ink still the same. And they accuse him he's not praying. And I know, like, examples, many examples, people will talk these big, big pictures. They don't have the ilm. And the right way to do it is to mix between the two. And Shimon Atimin is an excellent example of that. And this class, which has been watching over the year, very good at that. Is give you the details, but in the same time, try to connect these details to the principles. Any teachers have the ability to do that. It's an excellent teacher, excellent sheikh, an excellent book. And that's what makes people like Ibn Taymiyyah and Al-Qaim excel, and many others. Without يعني, uh, making it too long, uh, that's something I care for also when I teach. And I care for a lot in this class, uh, as, as many of these patawa, about 245 questions you will uh, come across in the, in the, in the weekend, inshallah ta'ala. Um, the only reason I'm saying this to you because uh, I always love to have a student knowledge, uh, and I always uh, uh, inspired by uh, good people, um, and good students. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make all what we do for his sake. Wa sallallahu sallam ala nabiyyina Muhammad. Thank you very much. So, guys, uh, Bilal will be at the front in the uh, lobby for those folks who want any more information, but it's all done online anyway. Uh, at almaghrib.org uh, slash entrusted entrusted and then we'll see you guys uh, again next week although next week Shaz what's the time? Yeah, so 8.35 odd online inshallah next week we're here in Cheadle nothing's changing in that sense um, I think that's it alright barakallahu feek subhanakallahu bihamdika shadu an la ilaha illa anta wa astaghfirullahu wa atubu alayk Wassalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.